The following audio is from the Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, everybody. Just so you know, your grass this morning was singing the Hallelujah Chorus, just like mine. I heard it when I was driving away, like, oh, anyway, so, but, um, hey, I want to take a moment and uh, pray for our Redmond campus. Andrew's over there. It's soon to be our Snohomish campus, but um, I just want to take a moment and pray for them if we could. So let's bow our our heads and do that. God, we pray. Lord, just thinking of Andrew and Amanda, Lord, we love them. We're grateful the partnership we get to enjoy, but we pray today, God, that you would just take care of all the details that are going on there for their service and, and bless God every bit of their energy, Lord, to love people, to reach people, to encourage people. And Lord, every person that's been a part of that transition, God, some that have jumped in from here to go, we just ask for your grace over them, your encouragement over them, your blessing over them, that we can see something awesome develop, God, as the months go on. We're grateful for the work we get to enjoy together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was in the lobby earlier, and, um, and a, a gal walks up to me and hands me a bag that says Bath and Body Works on it. And you start thinking, what area of my life doesn't smell right? You know, like so something, you know. Um, but uh, so I, I opened it up, and thankfully, it wasn't anything like that, but it was my favorite pencils, Dixon Ticonderoga number twos, real wood pencils. So anyway, I thought that was kind of fun to receive those. Well, you guys already saw on the, on the clip up there that um, we're in a series called At the Movies. Today is part four, and we're jumping into the movie Jurassic Park. Now, this is the original. How many of you have seen the original Jurassic Park? Just raise your hands. Yeah, most of us have seen it. Now, obviously, what it means is we're not talking about Chris Pratt today, and I'm really sorry about that, even though he's in every movie now. But anyway, um, the, the um, main idea of the original Jurassic Park movie um, was that, you know, there's a, a rich guy, you know, white hair, white beard, a rich older guy that um, purchases an island and decides to create a theme park full of real dinosaurs. They figured out how to, you know, extract DNA from a mosquito who bit a dinosaur or whatever, billions of, anyway. Um, and so they, 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 you know, he's got this whole park set up. And if you've seen it, you know, they've got the big fences and 10,000 volts and, you know, the guest shop, all these different areas. And it's basically like a safari, but you're going to see dinosaurs. Well, he can't get approval from some like high up officials, you know, that, that will give the stamp to open the park. And so he invites in a couple of different scientists to sort of check it out and take a tour. And he really wants their stamp so that he can maybe get the final approval and open it up. Well, um, obviously they're really skeptical about the idea and, and they show up at the park, not fully knowing what they're getting into. And they realize at one point they're going to see real dinosaurs and they're kind of freaking out about it because there's paleontologists that's obviously only seen the bones of dinosaurs. Well, as, as a little bit of time in the movie goes on, they're sitting at a lunch meeting, kind of debating back and forth with the guy who wants to open the park and the scientists about like this whole idea and, and, and the implications and, and all this stuff. And they're skeptical of whether this is, this is going to work out well. And there's a significant part where as they're debating back and forth, there's a line that I want to kind of jump from today that I want you to check out. So here's a scene where Jeff Goldblum, who's one of the scientists, is debating with his older guy about whether this should happen or not. And I want to, obviously, as as the movie continues, really from that point on, things don't go well. There's a guy who's trying to, you know, take dinosaur DNA and, and, you know, the power goes out and the dinosaurs are kind of running rampant. And no, we're not going to show the part where the guy gets eaten on the porta potty. So you're welcome (laughs) for that. But anyway, um, 
But, but, you know, things take a turn for the worse. But I want you to, to think for a moment in your own life about that last quote that, that kind of faded out right there. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not that they, they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And to me, that's the crux of the matter for every life in this room. I don't care if you're young or old. I don't care, you know, male, female. I don't care what your background might be. We can do a lot of things. But the question is, should we do those things? In the movie Jurassic Park, with the lawyer sitting there, they're, they're all about trying to get this park open. And the lawyer at one point says, we are going to make a ton of money off of this. And they're all excited about all the money they could make over the safety of people. And while for most of us in the room, having a park full of dinosaurs isn't a reality, most, probably all, anyway. But um, the, 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 the truth is this, how we make decisions matters. How we make decisions matters. Is it that we fall to, well, here's how I make decisions. I try to reason it out. Or, or we say, you know, I, I, I think, how do I feel? How do I feel about should I do this or not? And then that's kind of a heart thing, which I think is always dangerous. What, what others do, that's I make decisions. I look at others and they've made these. And so I make that the same decision because if they did it, maybe I should do it. Or maybe you go back to, this is something I've dreamed about. Or when I was a kid, I really thought and hoped. And so now I'm here and, and I'm going to do this because that's, that's what I've always thought I should do. There's a lot of things in life that you can do, but what should you do? And, and it plays right into Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And if you got a Bible with you or you want to follow along, there's a Bible in front of you, you got a, maybe a Bible app on your phone, 1 Corinthians 10 is where we're going to land. Now, these letters that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, I've said before, Corinth was known as the party church. They were the ones that were, you know, having relationships they shouldn't be having, doing things they shouldn't be doing. There's a, you know, kind of the stepson and the mom romance thing going on that Paul's like, stop it now. There at one point, another chapter later, he's talking about, you know, you gather together and you take communion and you got a bunch of people in the corner, like getting drunk off communion. That's not okay. You know, and most of us in the room are like, I would never do that. And they're like, that's the problem. You know, they're, they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. Well, when we land in chapter 10 here, he brings up a part of the argument that they're saying. And in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, in verse 23, it says this, I have the right to do anything. And Paul is, if you notice in the scripture, that's in quotes. He says, I have the right to do anything. And that's their argument. Their point is this, Paul you and the apostles said that we're all free in Christ, that we're not bound to the Old Testament Levitical law because of what Christ has done on the cross. As followers of Christ, many of us in here would say we're followers of Christ. We believe in his work on the cross. We believe he paid the price for our sins. His blood was the price paid for our sins. He died, he was buried, he rose from the dead, defeating death, which we don't have to fear anymore. And so this whole picture of what Christ has done is amazing. And, and the, the salvation part is huge. And if you're not a follower of Christ, but you hear what I'm saying today, I want to encourage you to consider that what Jesus has done for you and I is give us a clean slate, is give us a fresh start, is provide a way and access to our Heavenly Father that we can't do by working it out in our own efforts. The other part of understanding the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, 
the Messiah that would come in Jesus, that that work broke the need for you and I to follow the Old Testament Levitical code. We're no longer bound to it. The problem is that we're taking this word grace, unearned favor from God, the grace of God where we can find forgiveness and saying because of grace, because I'm no longer bound to the law, I can do whatever I want to do and that's okay. That's why he has it in quotes. I have the right to do anything, you say. Paul isn't denying the fact that we are free in Christ. I'm going to mention a couple other spaces here in 1 Corinthians where he acknowledges the power of our freedom in Christ. But they're not looking through the right lens. They're only looking through the lens of we're free in Christ. It's the danger of the world you and I live in where people can say, I follow Jesus and yet do whatever they want to do. It doesn't work that way. Over and over, this is why we say read the Bible. When you read the Bible over and over, you read some of the letters from the apostles. You read Peter, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. You read 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. You read Paul's admonition to multiple of the churches he was writing to. This is not about you and I doing whatever we want to do under the guise of I love Jesus and I'm free in Christ. Because over and over he says, but to, be, to really love Jesus is to live obediently to what he wants of us, surrendered to the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and our minds and our lives. I have the right to do anything, you say. And then this, but not everything is beneficial. See, the filter, Paul says, is absolutely we are free in Christ. But we're not free to do whatever we want to do. One of the questions that you and I have got to be asking ourselves is, is my decision to do this beneficial to my faith being built? He goes on and he says it again. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Here he uses this word that we understand, construct, to build Earlier on, in this same letter, 1 Corinthians 10 is where we're at, rewind seven chapters to 1 Corinthians 3, and you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read this for you, starting in verse 10. If you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. But each one should build with care. Jesus has said, we have it in Luke and we have it in Matthew, where Jesus has said that you and I ought to build on the foundation, the rock, and Paul says, that's Christ. Jesus says, we've got to build on rock, not sand. Part of the understanding of that whole idea is that we're building on Christ. That all of us that would say we're followers of Christ, we've invited Jesus to forgive us of our sins. We've invited the Lord to, to you know, be the Lord, the master, the one who guides our lives. Then Jesus is the foundation. We start there. But Paul says, each one should build with care. Do we consider the decisions we make with care? Do we process through where does this decision lead? What are the implications of doing? Again, you can fill in the blank because there's a million examples. Each one should build with care. And now he's going to go back. Listen, verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So again, the foundation is there. If anyone builds on this foundation 
What Paul is saying is you and I, every day as time goes on, are building something of our lives. And whatever it is that we're building is not just meant to be slapped together and we do whatever we want to do and it doesn't really matter. Remember, don't say, I have the right to do anything. Is it beneficial? Is it constructive to what God wants of the life I'm intended to live, of the time that I have on this earth? If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. Now, notice here that the word day is capitalized. It's not just talking about when the sun comes up and it's daytime and there's the day and look at that thing. He's talking about the day capitalized, meaning the future day of judgment that at some point we're all gonna face. And at the beginning of July, we actually talked about the second coming of Christ and and the picture of what's gonna happen in the end and that judgment. The judgment day will bring whatever life that you and I have built will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If, verse 15, it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved, Paul is careful to say this, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't understand what Paul is saying here as like a, hey, don't worry about what you build, you're on the foundation of Christ, at least you'll get to heaven. Don't hear it that way, because that's not Paul's point. Paul's point is, let's not be so concerned about this issue of our salvation. I've invited Jesus in. Be be concerned about every minute that you have. What kind of decisions are you making to build a life that will last into eternity, where he says we'll receive a reward? See, just yesterday in the reading plan, there's a pattern that I want you to notice in Psalm 81, Starting in verse five, I heard an unknown voice say, I removed the burden from their shoulders. Their hands were set free from the basket. In your distress, you called and I rescued you. I answered you out of a thundercloud. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. And and this is the picture of God offering salvation to Israel just as he's offered it to you and I today. And then he says this, verse eight, hear my people and I will warn you. If you would only listen to me, Israel, you, have, uh, you shall have no foreign God among you. You shall not worship any God other than me. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. He's bringing up a pattern that Israel followed that you and I can fall prey to. That there's a point in our lives where we hear the message of the gospel, where we hear what Jesus has done, we can say, Lord, come into my life. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Lord, I need that fresh start. Lord, I've done my own thing for so long, but God, I need you. But then what happens? And this is probably familiar for all of us if you've been a follower of Christ for maybe months, maybe it's been years or even decades. This propensity that we lean towards, I still want to do my own thing. And our hearts at times, kind of like a roller coaster, you know, they grow hot and they grow cold and they grow hot and they grow cold. And it's not that it's okay or it's an excuse, but the psalmist in Psalm 81 acknowledges this idea we, we, we want and we need and we confess. And then we fall prey to still doing our own thing as time goes on. He says in verse 12, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own 
devices. If my people would only listen to me, if Israel would only follow my ways, how quickly, and I love this, how quickly I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him and their punishment would last forever. But you would be fed with the finest of weed, honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. It's not that God's grace isn't a reality. It's something that you and I need every day. We, we find these patterns. We go through church. We can we sing. We, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I shouldn't have done that. And then Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, the, the weeks wear on. And we go, man, I blew it Thursday. And I blew it Monday. Man, Saturday night. You don't know where I was last night. That we can still find his grace. But we've got to be careful that as one pastor called it a long time ago, cheap grace that we do whatever we want to do because we know, well, God has to forgive me. That's the danger of this conversation right here. I can do whatever I want. I'm free in Christ. Or as it says in Jurassic Park, you were so preoccupied with whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. When we think about our decisions, there is a filter we've got to use and it has to do with the work of the Spirit in us. Will we surrender to what he wants? And, and I know that we talk about decisions and there's all kinds of decisions from habits that, that, that we continue to, to fall prey to and we give in and it is what it is and we just can't seem to overcome it to relational decisions where we're in a relationship and, and there's a covenant of marriage and we go, well, but I'm not really getting that home. It's not really working the way it's supposed to. So I'm gonna go over here and they kind of like me and we'll see kind of what happens. And, and, and God is like, no. That's not the way it works. We go, yeah, but that's what I feel. But it can't be based on how we feel. It can't be based on what others think. It can't, can't be based on these external forces. We've got to look at what God has to say about our decisions. Paul says we spend so much time excusing whatever we do with, I'm free in Christ. It's no big deal. Paul says, yeah, it is a big deal. Is it beneficial? Is it constructive? Yeah, there's neutral. I realize that what we wear maybe is no big deal. Although I, if I had like a tube top and, you know, short shorts and flip flops and cocoa butter on my belly, you'd be like, okay, don't wear that on Sunday, right? And some of you are like, why'd you say, I'm going to throw up now and you shouldn't have done that. And that's fine. So yeah, there's neutral decisions. There, there's things that maybe don't matter a whole lot. But you'd be surprised if you really stopped to think with care about our decisions, about your decisions, how much stuff matters. That we look through the lens of how is this building the life God wants for me? How is, is what's being constructed of my time affecting eternity? That, that matters. And it's so easy to forget in a world that just keeps going and going and time keeps spinning and the world seems to get faster and faster, and we don't have time to stop and consider what's being built. Then, then Paul takes it even further. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. And then this, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. 
We talk about maturity, and I've mentioned that, that word a few times this summer because I always want to challenge all of our maturity. That when we, when we talk about, I want to grow and I want to be mature in Christ, I want to be a mature believer. A couple weeks ago, I talked about our ability to, to affect the lives of others. And here I'm reminding us again that, that when he says no one should seek their own good, but the good of other people. When Paul talks about you and I building some sort of home on the foundation of Christ, building some sort of life, that life is not lived in, you know, here's the foundation, here's the home that's being built, and here's woods and mountains. The picture that Paul gives us is here's a foundation, here's a home that's being built next to another home, with another home over here, and there's homes over there, and there's homes all the way down the street, because we're not talking about homes, we're talking about the lives of other people around us, that our lives impact other people. Do we realize the decisions we make are not just about us? How many of you in here are parents or have been parents? Raise your hands high. And some of you have adult kids, and some of you have little kids. I have a 7, a 10, a 13, and a 15-year-old. And, and as a parent, we cannot just look through the lens of what I want and where I want to go and what I want to do and what I want to commit to. I've got to look through the lens of how is my life affecting who they're becoming. It's an easy example among many others. We're called to look through the lens of our impact on the other followers of Christ. This world we live in encourages us to live our own lives and just to simply worry about taking care of ourselves. Mind your own business. And yet the truth is, over and over, as you look at the whole of Scripture, there's this picture that you and I are not on an island all by ourselves or out in the woods secluded from everyone else in life. As iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Lay aside your own needs and think about the needs of others. Put others before yourself. All of these are verses that throughout the whole of Scripture, we are intertwined with everyone else. And we can't just think through the lens of what do I want? I'll just give you a simple example from my own life. And this is not in, in judgment or looking down my nose at other people. But, but I've been asked before if I drink and I've said, you know, I don't drink alcohol. I've made a decision not to, not because I believe the Bible says never touch alcohol because I don't believe it says that. At the same time, I look through the lens of other people that I know of and that I still pray for today that have battled that demon of alcoholism and they can't seem to overcome it. And I have to look through the lens of how is my pattern of how I'm living affecting what they're facing. And so I made a decision years ago, I'm not gonna touch it. I just believe it's safer, sure for me, but you know what? I know people around me that battle and I don't want that, that to be a stumbling block for them. Over and over, we're called to, 1 Corinthians 8, okay? Two chapters before 10 here. Paul brings up this idea of, of others and, and, and what can happen to them. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 9. Once again, that maturity, that responsibility, be careful that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Are we looking through the lens of how others are impacted? Are we looking through the lens of what kind of influence this decision has? 
So other followers of Christ, but also those who haven't invited Christ in yet. I don't say it every week, but I say it a lot. As I mentioned, this whole thing, this life that we're building is in a neighborhood, not out in a secluded island or in the woods. That that for you and I, the decisions we make in the families that we exist within, extended families, immediate families, in the neighborhoods or apartment complexes or condo units that that we live within and who's around us, the workplaces that, that we go to and the people we interact with all the time, all of those, and there's plenty more of ways that you and I are in contact with other people and, and, and many of them. I don't come from a family that is a church family and I've been praying for them for years and still do. But, but I live within a family that God put me in to help shine the light of Christ. And I don't stand up and give a lot of speeches, although every now and then I have, in my family at gatherings. But I try my best to shine the light of Christ to talk about how good God is or, or what I feel like he's doing. People ask me, how was your weekend? Was, you know, here's mine, how was yours? Well, Here's what happened. Here's what's going on. Here's what I care about. And faith always ends up in the equation because that's what I care about. Not as a preachy thing, but just conversation. And the reading plan this morning, and I, I literally added this to the message this morning. 1 Peter 2.10. I just was reading it before we jumped into service today. 1 Peter 2 verse 10. Live such good lives among those who don't know Christ, among the pagans. That though they accuse you of doing evil, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You may not enjoy what I'm saying right now, but let's be honest, as a parent, I am limited not just by what I want, but by how my decisions will affect my kids. As a husband, I'm limited not just by what I want, but by how my decisions will affect my marriage and my wife. I'm limited as a pastor in the decisions I make because sometimes I want to drive like a banshee. And every now and then, I've driven near somebody where it wasn't going so well, and they pulled into here, and I'm like, I better keep going. (laughs) I have had that happen, and I was like, this is horrible. And it's not like we're giving each other the bird and running, whatever. It's not that, but it's just like, this wasn't friendly, and I probably shouldn't pull in here. (laughs) Horrible. It's been a long time, but still, it's like, As a boss, I'm limited. As a friend, I'm limited. Because my decisions aren't just my decisions. My decisions are building my life and building the lives of those around me. The question that we've got to ask ourselves, will my doing this help me accomplish God's design for my life? And will my... Or will my doing this help others accomplish God's design for their lives? We've got to be careful. And I don't know what happened to you, but I know what's happened to me as I've walked the lobby. And I love the decor. It's fun, the setup and at the movies kind of thing and these different movie themes in certain areas. I think it's fun. But I don't know if you walked past the sandlot over here and saw the cool little poster with the whole team there stand there and there's a quote on it. And you know what it says? I might not get it word for word, but it's something like this. Just follow your heart. It'll never lead you astray. You know how unbiblical that is? And again, cool little design, fun little setup there, but I'm like, that's that's dangerous. How many things would you do if you just follow what you wanted to do? 
How, how many crimes would be committed? If you, you know, like, hey, I mean, do whatever you want. How many marriages would stand the test of time and be committed to covenant if we just did whatever we felt like we wanted to do at any time? Well, I ain't going home tonight. What, what would happen if all we did was follow what we thought or what we reasoned out was right or what others did? Well, they did it, so I can do it. How will this decision help me build the life God intends? And how will this decision help build the lives of others around me in Christ and those who don't yet know Christ? Because all of it matters. At the core, it becomes the question, is God's plan my priority? Father, today, this is a a battle for all of us. God, these are challenges that we face really weekly, maybe daily, as parents, minutely, probably. God, there are all kinds of ways that we filter how life is lived. And sure, most of us, it probably doesn't matter a hill of beans what socks we wore today. There's all kinds of probably random neutral decisions. But on the other hand, the conversation has to do with as we make decisions, are we careful? Do we decide with great care? Do we think about where this decision leads? Do we consider whether you are are in favor or against? Do we look at the scriptures and reason through, God, does this help me build the life you want or not? God, does this help others build the life you desire for them or not? And my prayer for all of us is that God, on a day like today, that, that we're quick to repent. You know what, God, I've been living for myself. And Lord, I need your help. God, to lay down how I do this or what I've decided about that. God, your grace is there. It's not to say earlier that your grace isn't there. Father, I pray that we would take it with the value it deserves. Jesus, I want to follow you. And I definitely need the blood of Christ to to wash me clean of what I've done wrong. Forgive me. God, would you help me make the right decisions? I pray all over the room today, God, we would be laying down those things that are our own things. We'd be laying down those things that you don't want. We'd allow your spirit to work in us, Father, directing us down your path, that our confession today, Lord, I want your plan to be my priority. I want my life to be built the way you desire. And I want to impact the lives around me to the best of my ability for what you desire for them too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.